You may have heard of Batman vs Superman, but I don't know if you are ready to hear about this next matchup, because it's Batarang vs Bullwhip. Ooh. Cow vs Fedora. Ah. Philanthropist, Costume Vigilante vs Action Adventure Archaeologist. Join us and our two special guests as Tim Burton's Batman versus Steven Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark here in the Nerd Coliseum. I'm your co-host, Frankie. And I'm your other co-host, Kristen. Welcome back to the Nerd Coliseum, a podcast where movies, TV, video games, or anything pop culture battles it out in rounds, tournament style, for the number one spot in our countdowns. This is game four of our 1980s tournament in the Coliseum, where eight classic movies from the 1980s are going toe-to-toe until only one movie is left standing. So far this season, we have already seen three matchups go down. Ghostbusters took on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Back to the Future went head-to-head with Return of the Jedi, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial tangled with The Thing. So, if this is your first time joining us, we recommend going back and listening to those episodes first. Yes, don't listen to another second of this episode until you have. Because each of our episodes will build off the last until the entire tournament of this season has concluded with a grand champion. This means that there will be seven games, a.k.a. episodes, this season, where great 80s movies will face off against each other one-on-one. Each of these face-offs will be judged on four criteria that have been randomly selected by our spinning wheel of chance. We will use these criteria to discuss and award points to these movies in four individual rounds. And the movie with the most points at the end of the episode wins the episode and moves forward in the overall tournament. The loser, unfortunately, goes home booted from this season. And our movie contenders have been paired off for battle using a random generator, not by us, which is why we have such riveting, unique matchups. Unlike other pop culture podcasts, this show does not rely heavily on the personal opinion of its hosts. Okay, let's start game four, Batman versus Raiders of the Lost Ark. On one side of the Coliseum, we have Batman, a 1989 superhero film based on the DC Comics character. Directed by Tim Burton and written by Sam Hamm, it is the first installment of Warner Brothers' initial Batman film series. The film takes place early in the title character's war on crime and depicts his conflict with his archenemy, the Joker. (laughs) What are you laughing at? The film stars Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Kim Bassinger, Robert Wool, Pat Hingle, Billy D. Williams, and Michael Goh. On the other side of the Coliseum, we have Raiders of the Lost Ark, a 1981 American action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Lawrence Cashton, based on a story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. The film follows a globe-trotting archaeologist competing with Nazi German forces in 1936 to recover the long-lost Ark of the Covenant, a relic said to make an army invincible. Teaming up with his tough former lover Marion Ravenwood, Indy races to stop rival archaeologist Dr. Belloc from guiding the Nazis to the Ark and its power. 
Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you mean the, Commandments? You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments. It stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, Ronald Lacey, John Reese davies and Denim Elliott. With such iconic Hollywood heroes stepping into the Coliseum, we have decided to bring along two special guest hosts to help us commentate and judge this epic episode. That's right. The first special guest host you'll probably remember from our Kenobi Battle Royale episode. He's been my best friend for over 10 years. Help me welcome my good buddy, Carlton. Guess who's back? back again. No, it's not Slim Shady. It's Carlton. How you doing, fellow nerds? Welcome back, Carlton. It's great having you on the show again. All right, our next guest is a co-worker and friend of us all. Everyone, please help me welcome to the show for the very first time, Sarah. Hi, guys. I'm Sarah, certified nerd. Really excited to be on the podcast today. All right, Carlton and Sarah, before we spin four our four categories and see what these two movies will face off with, which movie do you think has the strongest chance of winning today? My money's on Raiders, mm. definitely. I'm going to have to go with Batman. Seriously? <laughs> Just to spite you, she has decided to go with Batman. It makes it more interesting if don't they know. don't agree. I like that's, it. That's true. Conflict. Tension, stakes, it has it all. It's all going to come down to, I suppose, the categories chosen for us by our spinning wheel of chance. So, let's see what they are. The first category will be cast performance. Michael Keaton and Harrison Ford are both Hollywood legends, so this is a really good matchup. It's also going to come down to the rest of the cast surrounding these two actors, too. Picking the best cast of the two won't be an easy task. It never is. The second category, sequels and franchise spawn. Three words, Batman and Robin. Can't believe we were fighting over a bad guy. Bad, yes. Guy, no. Well, I'm totally over, all right? Positively. Me too, definitely. Good stems, though. Buds, too. Yeah, those are nice. Indy may have an upper hand this round. Uh, five words? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Nice try, kid, but I think you just brought a knife to a gunfight. This may be closer for these two than we may think here. But that movie taught me how to survive a nuclear blast in a refrigerator. <laughs> Take the next spin, Carlton. Okay, our third category will be awards. The fourth category, strong female companions. Ooh, so this is going to be the first time we do this on the show. So unlike the cast performance aspect, where we look at how the actors and actresses portrayed their roles, we'll focus more on the contributions Vicki Vale and Marion Ravenwood made to their respective movies. That means it should be a pretty interesting category. Yeah, these two movies have very strong female characters. Maybe hard to pick a winner. I already have a personal favorite that I'm going to be rooting for in that round, but it's all going to come down to the facts. All right, let's start this game. Time for round one. Cast. 
Let's start with Tim Burton's Batman. When it came to casting the caped crusader, the best of Hollywood's top stars were considered, including Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Dennis Quaid, Harrison Ford, hmm, well, that name sounds familiar, and Bill Murray. Imagine if Bill Murray was Batman. Chicks dig me, because I rarely wear underwear, and when I do, it's usually something unusual. Producer John Peters suggested Michael Keaton, arguing he had the right edgy, tormented quality after having seen his dramatic performance in Clean and Sober. Having already directed Keaton in Beetlejuice, it's showtime. Burton agreed. Some listeners may remember this from our Batman Battle Royale episode, but Keaton's casting caused a huge controversy among comic book fans after its initial announcement. The controversy is whether an actor like Michael Keaton, best known for roles like Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice, can pull off the part of the Cape Crusader. I think that he's kind of a wimp. It don't seem that it's right, you know. You should have a smaller man playing as a Batman. He need some muscles on him. I would have liked to have seen a sexier person, you know, a more macho man. 50,000 protest letters flooded the mailboxes at Warner Brothers offices after the casting was announced. Imagine being so upset about casting that you physically write a letter to the film studio. That takes true dedication. Despite initial negative reactions from comic fans, Keaton's portrayal of Batman was generally praised upon the film's release. And in the present day, Michael Keaton's Batman is considered by many the gold standard to which every Batman actor after him has since been compared. Next up, the Joker. Did you ever heard of the healing power of laughter? <laughs> Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow, Brad Dourif, Ray Liotta, and James Woods were considered for the Joker. Fun fact, Burton actually wanted to cast actor John Glover, who later played Floronic Man in the 1997 Batman Robin. My super soldier serum, codenamed Venom. But the studio insisted on using an already known movie star. I can respect your opinion. Sadly, I'm not good at rejection. I'm afraid you'll have to die. Even Robin Williams apparently lobbied hard for the part. However, Jack Nicholson had been the studio's top choice since the year 1980. That's nine years before the movie was released. Producer Peters approached Nicholson as far back as 1986, during the filming of The Witches of Eastwick. Unlike Keaton, he was a popular choice by comic book fans for this role. Nicholson's performance was very well received and reportedly even terrified audiences. Consequently, he was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor. Wait till they get a load of me. Next up, Vicki Vale. Sean Young, best known for Blade Runner 1982, was originally cast as Vicki Vale. You think I'm a replicant, don't you? Young was present for four weeks of pre-production, but broke her collarbone while rehearsing an equestrian scene. This scene ended up being one of the many scenes being dropped prior to filming. But Young's departure necessitated an urgent search for an actress who, besides being right for the part, could commit to the film at very short notice. Producers suggested Kim Bassinger, previously known as the Bond Girl, Domino Patashi in Never Say Never Again, 1983. <laughs> You'll never give up your old habits, James. Bassinger was able to join the production immediately and was cast. Producer Chris Kinney on the 2005 DVD commentary said that he felt her selection at the last minute was mostly due to her availability. 
As a fan of Michael Goh's work, Burton casts Goh as Bruce Wayne's mysterious butler, Alfred, who, like Keaton, has set a gold standard for the role of Alfred. But let's not forget about repairing the Batmobile. It's not as though we can take it to any old Joe's body shop, is it, sir? Robert Wool was cast as reporter Alexander Knox. Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? And if so, is he on the police payroll? And if so, what's he pulling down? His character was originally supposed to die from the Joker's poison gas in the climax, but the filmmakers liked his character so much that they decided to let him live. The interesting thing is I was my character died at the end of the draft. I was supposed to die. And they were it was going so well, they said, you know, okay, we're gonna have him live. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. Last but certainly not least, Billy D. Williams. Burton chose Williams as Harvey Dent because he wanted to include the villain Two-Face in a future film using the concept of an African-American Two-Face for a black-and-white duality concept. But Tommy Lee Jones was later cast in the role for Batman Forever when the franchise was taken over by director Joel Schumacher, which disappointed Williams. Fortune smiles, another day of wine and roses. Or in your case, beer and pizza. Ha! If adventure has a name, then it must be Indiana Jones. But who to play the bullwhip-wielding archaeologist? Believe it or not, the list of possibilities was pretty long. Reportedly, some actors considered for the role of Indiana Jones included Bill Murray, Nick Nolte, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Jack Nicholson, Jeff Bridges, Sam Elliott, and Tom Selleck. Each possibility would have given us wildly different versions of the legendary character. I mean. Imagine someone like comedian Chevy Chase playing the part. Pardon me. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me how to get back on the expressway. <laughs> Yo, mama. Thank you very much. I'd like to point out that there are some repeats for both movies here. Bill Murray and Tom Selleck were also reportedly considered for Batman, while Jack Nicholson, of course, did play the Joker. I guess these were the big actors people wanted to have in their movies, even if they were prominently comedians. Nevertheless, director Steven Spielberg said Harrison Ford was perfect for the role after seeing him in The Empire Strikes Back. That's a good story. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. For Jones's love interest, Marion Ravenwood, Spielberg wanted someone akin to early 20th century leading ladies who equaled their male counterparts. Spielberg was aware of Karen Allen from her performance in Animal House, portraying an independent female character, and she impressed him with her professionalism during auditions for Raiders, both of which led to her winning the role. Indiana Jones. <sighs> Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. You know, I pointed out the male repeats for potential <laughs> castings in both movies. Now I'd like to point out a female one, too. Believe it or not, Sean Young, who, if you remember, was actually originally cast as Vicki Vale in Batman before her horse injury, she was also considered by Lucas and Spielberg for the role of Marion Ravenwood. For Indy's French nemesis Belloc, Spielberg cast Paul Freeman after seeing him in the docudrama Death of a Princess from 1980. Before winning the role, Freeman thought he gave such a poor French accent during his audition that there was just no way he'd get cast, but was pleasantly surprised when he was. Dr. Jones, again we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. Now, for Indy's trusted sidekick, Sala, Danny DeVito was approached. 
However, DeVito could not participate because of scheduling conflicts with his sitcom Taxi and because his agent reportedly wanted too much money. Instead, Reese Davies was cast based on his performance from the 1980s miniseries Shogun. Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. Okay, the facts have been laid out. Now, it's time for the Nerd Coliseum to award the point to the movie that has the overall best ensemble. Both of these movies have really strong casts that gave highly memorable performances that still resonate even with today's pop culture. For example, both Keaton and Ford are returning in their roles from these movies to some degree in the coming year or so, and a majority of audiences seem pretty thrilled. I personally really look forward to seeing Michael Keaton return. However, when comparing overall casts, I think both of these movies are pretty even. When it comes down to it, I think there is one actor that helps push one movie slightly above the other overall. If you compare each actor and actress to their comparable counterpart from the other movie, it is pretty even, like Sarah said, for the most part, with only maybe slight variations here and there. But... One casting that tips the scale in one direction just a little bit more than the other is no other than Jack Nicholson. Taking this into consideration, the Nerd Coliseum will award the point of cast to Batman. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. No movie really had a clear lead in this last round. This will bring us into round two, sequels slash franchises spawned. We'll start this time with Raiders of the Lost Ark. The success of Raiders of the Lost Ark has spawned three sequel films so far, with one more well on the way. The first sequel, though, was Temple of Doom, which follows Jones' quest to recover sacred stones and liberate slaves from a cult leader. The film became one of the highest-grossing films of 1984 and broke box office records, but fared less well with critics who accused it of racism, sexism, and containing content inappropriate for children audiences. Fun fact, Temple of Doom actually helped to usher in the creation of the PG-13 rating, a box office sweet spot that is still used by film productions today. Nevertheless, the movie sits at a fresh 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. You want the stones? Let them go! <laughs> Drop them, Dr. Jones! They will be found! You want! <laughs> the third movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, was released in 1989. It serves as the final film of the original trilogy and follows Jones and his father, portrayed by Sean Connery, on a quest to recover the Holy Grail. Like its predecessor, The Last Crusade broke box office records, becoming one of the year's highest grossing films. It was also well received by critics. Spielberg has said that the film was, in part, an apology for the reception to Temple of Doom. The movie sits at a fresh 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Junior? Yes, sir. It is you, Junior. Don't call me that, please. A fourth film was released in 2008, titled Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It features the return of Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood and introduces Shia LaBeouf as her and Jones's son. The setting moved from the 1930s to the 1950s, pitting Jones against Russians to recover a crystal skull. The film was a financial success, but polarized critics and fans. As with Temple of Doom, Lucas and Spielberg have defended the film and apologized for its reception. 
The movie has the lowest rating of all the movies in this franchise, but still remains fresh at 78%. Mom? Oh, man, I specifically told you not no, you didn't. to come Marian here yourself. Your you never wrote that? Mother. You never said that in any phone calls? Marion Ravenwood is your mother. Oh, for God's sake, Indy, it's not that hard. Overall, the Indiana Jones sequels come together and average a fresh 83%. Like its competitor, Batman spawned three sequels due to its initial financial success. The first of which was Batman Returns in 1992. The thought of busting Batman makes me feel all... dirty. But Batman Returns was released to a polarized reception. The movie's darker tones, violence, and sexual elements alienated some family audiences and even led to a backlash against marketing partners such as McDonald's for promoting the film to young children. Some parents contend that Batman Returns, which is rated PG-13, is actually being marketed for younger children and the movie is just too violent. However, several reviewers thought the sequel was superior in many ways, offering faster pacing as well as more comedy and depth while avoiding the dourness and tedium of Batman. Critics generally agreed that Burton's creative control made Batman Returns a more personal work than Batman, creating something fearlessly different that could be judged on its own merits. The movie sits at a fresh 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, my name is not Oswald! It's Penguin! I am not a human being! I am an animal! Cold-blooded! The third film was Batman Forever in 1995. Although Michael Keaton did not return in the title role and Tim Burton passed his director's chair to Joel Schumacher, Batman Forever had the largest opening weekend for a Warner Brothers film until 2001 when it was surpassed by Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Your entrance was good, his was better. Additionally, the film held the record for having the highest opening weekend for a superhero film until it was taken by X-Men in 2000. However, this is the movie that gave us bat nipples. <laughs> There's nothing that strikes fear in the underbelly of Gotham City more than those things. And some criticized the film's excessive commercialism and felt that it missed Bruce Wayne's pain that Tim Burton captured in the previous two movies. However, there was praise for Val Kilmer's performance, who took over as the Dark Knight in this movie. Can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? I'll get drive through On Rotten Tomatoes, Batman Forever has an approval rating of a rotten 39%. The site's critical consensus reads, Loud, excessively busy, and often boring, Batman Forever nonetheless has the charisma of Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones to offer mild relief. Ouch. I didn't think it was that bad. Hey, two fists, show me how to punch a guy. It's dirt simple, my boy. Ball up the fist, reach way back, and assert yourself. That yeah. looks like fun. <laughs> let me try, let me try. Ball up the fist, reach way back. Reach way back. Next sequel is up, and I'll say it again. Three words. Batman and Robin, a movie that has gone down as one of the worst superhero films of all time. This is why Superman works alone. Upon release in 1997, the film received near-unanimous cold negative reviews. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times criticized the toyetic approach and Mr. Freeze's one-liner jokes. All right, everyone. Chill. In his thumbs-down review of the film. And while the previous movie introduced... 
bat nipples, as Carlton pointed out. This movie managed to push the envelope just a little further, this time with even more rubber nipples and odd camera angle close-ups of the dynamic duo's butts and bat crotches. George Clooney, who took over the cape from Val Kilmer for this movie, has spoken critically of the film, saying in 2005, I think we might have killed the franchise. And he called it a waste of money. Clooney said that he even had met former Batman actor Adam West and personally apologized to him. Consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says that the tongue-in-cheek attitude hits an unbearable limit, resulting in a frantic and mindless movie that's too jokey to care much for. The film holds the lowest score of any movie on either side of the Coliseum, sitting at a very rotten 12%. I hate to disappoint you, but rubber lips are immune to your charms. Yikes. Well, overall, the Batman sequels come together and average a rotten 42%. This low score can be heavily credited to 1997's Batman and Robin. The 42% average of Batman sequels just can't compete with Indiana Jones's average of 83%. Meaning Raiders of the Lost Ark will take the point for sequels and franchise spawned. Let's hurry. There's nothing to fear here. That's what scares me. Well, this will tie both of our movies as both of them hold one point. We'll see if a movie can take the lead in our next category, awards. From the Academy Awards in Los Angeles to the Cannes Film Festival in France, there is an award ceremony for various types of films. But what matters even more than the festivals and ceremonies are the awards themselves. This round, we will take a look at both Tim Burton's Batman and Raiders of the Lost Ark to see which was nominated or took home the most awards, or maybe the most prestigious, anyways. Speaking of awards, did you guys hear about that movie made by those flat earthers? They were pretty upset when it won a golden globe. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm here for two more rounds. (laughs) We'll start with Batman. According to IMDb, Batman presently has nine wins and 26 nominations. And what's with that stupid grin? Life's been good to me. At the Oscars, Batman took Best Art and Set Decoration. Some other wins include a BMI Film Music Award and a People's Choice Award for Favorite Motion Picture. The movie's nominations for awards generally were for the cast, costume, makeup, and sound. According to IMDb, Raiders of the Lost Ark presently has... 38 wins and 24 nominations. Your persistence surprises even me. At the Oscars, the movie took Best Art Slash Set Direction, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Effects Slash Visual Effects. Some other wins include a BAFTA Film Award for Best Production Design and Art Direction, a Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film, and a Best Foreign Film at the César Awards in France. The movie's nominations for awards generally were for director, cinematography, and editing. Well, we're on tonight, and the numbers don't lie. Looks like Raiders will take the point, since of course it had more wins and nominations. It's not the years, it's the mileage. This means that Raiders of the Lost Ark will take the lead against Batman thus far in this episode, with Raiders holding two points and Batman with one point. 
Batman can, of course, tie it up in the next round, which would force us to go into a fifth sudden death round. However, we have to wait and see if that's even necessary here. So it's all going to come down to the next round? Well, then let's hit that boxing bell and move on to the fourth round. Strong female counterparts. Batman and Raiders both have strong male characters, but what about their female counterparts? Strong female characters began to appear in the first half of the 20th century after landing on Earth from the planet Venus, and have since become a large part of pop culture. When you think of strong female characters, what comes to mind? Perhaps it's Ripley from Aliens. Get away from her, you bitch! Miranda Priestley from The Devil Wears Prada. No, you chose. You chose to get ahead. You want this life? Those choices are necessary. Or Morticia A. Adams from The Adams Family. I'm just like any modern woman, trying to have it all. Loving husband, a family. It's just I wish I had more time to seek out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. It's worth pointing out that these three examples are strong in their own way. Ripley is the action star, Priestley the successful businesswoman, and Morticia the respected family matriarch. When looking at our two movies for this episode, we can see that Raiders of the Lost Ark has Marion Ravenwood, while Batman has Vicki Vale. Get ready as these two enter the Coliseum in round four. This time we'll start with Raiders, more specifically, Marion Ravenwood. Played by Karen Allen, she enters the story when Indy visits her in Nepal, needing her help. Specifically, he needs an artifact in her possession, originally obtained by her father, archaeologist Professor Abner Ravenwood, Jones's mentor, in order to locate the Ark of the Covenant. She did not extend a warm welcome to Indy, however. Instead, she gave him a punch in the face. So what are you doing here in Nepal? I need one of the pieces your father collected. I learned to hate you in the last ten years. When we first meet Marion, she is running a local tavern, the Raven, in Nepal. Taking advantage of her high tolerance for alcohol, she would frequently drink the bar's patrons under the table on a wager. Some of the men she outdrank were three times her size. Not even Frankie or I could outdrink Marion Ravenwood. Actually, if there ever was a drinking competition between Captain Jack Sparrow and Marion Ravenwood, my money would be on Marion. I said what I said. Well, Marion refused to return to the United States until she had enough money to return with style, which came sooner than expected when she agreed to part with one of her father's artifacts, a medallion referred to as the headpiece to the staff of Ra, for the sum of $3,000, and as long as Indy made her his partner. Boy, you're something! Yeah, I'll tell you what! Until I get back my $5,000, you're gonna get more than you bargained for! I'm your goddamn... While Marion was Indy's partner, she proved to be strong of spirit and possessing street-smart savvy and could even throw an effective right hook. For example, she evaded capture in Egypt by a hitman who drew a knife on her by knocking him out with a frying pan. Throughout the movie, she shows that she's more than just a damsel in distress, even when it came to fighting literal Nazis. Ravenwood is a tough, self-reliant woman who is not intimidated by men and is able to take care of herself when the situation demands it, a similar character to Princess Leia in Star Wars. The character in National Treasure series Abigail Chase and the Mummy franchise's Evelyn Carnahan O'Connell are said to be based in part on Marion Ravenwood. Time for Vicki Vale from Batman. 
Played by Kim Bassinger, Vicki Vale is a photographer for the Gotham Globe who rose to prominence in the journalistic community due to her coverage of the violent uprisings in Corto Maltese. I, I'd love to. I'm intrigued by Alex's giant bat story, so I've done some... Oh, the, the, right, bat, the Batman. Yeah. Hmm. Thing. Yeah. That's a little bit light after the war in Corto Maltese, isn't it? Talk about putting your life on the line for your career. Bruce Wayne and Vale developed a romantic interest in one another, and he invited her back to the mansion for a romantic, yet awkward, dinner. How's the soup? Excuse me? The soup. Oh. How is it? Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. The two became involved with one another, though Vale had no idea that Wayne was actually the Batman. At least not yet. Don't worry, we'll get to that. Later on in the movie, when Batman visited Vicky's apartment as Bruce Wayne, he wanted to tell her the truth about his dual identity, but could not find the words. Not too many women can intimidate and give the millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne butterflies. Carlton already hinted at this fact, but recognizing Bruce's fondness for Vale, Alfred Pennyworth elected to invite her into the Batcave, thus exposing Bruce's secret identity. However, Vicky was not bothered by this huge revelation and understood why Bruce led such a mysterious double life. I mean, that's much better than how The Flash reacted to the reveal in Justice League in 2017. You're the Batman? So you're fast. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Yeah. I, I need friends. Vicky Vale was present when Batman had his final confrontation with the Joker at the Gotham Cathedral. The Joker nearly killed both of them by knocking them over the ledge of one of the parapets. But the Batman caught Vicky just in time, unlike Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, preventing her from falling to her doom. The Joker, however, was not so lucky. Following the Joker's incident, the relationship between Wayne and Vale deteriorated. Although no longer together, there is no reason to suspect that Vicky ever betrayed Bruce's secret identity. Okay, quick review. We have Marion Ravenwood, a tough, self-reliant woman who is not intimidated by men or fantastical archaeological relics, and is able to take care of herself when the situation demands it. And then there's Vicki Vale, a courageous investigative journalist that attracted the respect and trust of the likes of Batman and Alfred. And even though they did not permanently end up together, she did not overreact to the reveal of Bruce's secret identity or ever betray it. While both of the women have strong attributes, only one can take home the point for strong female counterpart. After much consideration, the Nerd Coliseum has decided to give this point to... Uh, you know what? We need just a few more minutes to decide. Please listen to this ad while we hash it out. All right, before we continue more on our show, we'd like to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. Go ahead and tell them, Frankie. Oh yeah, we are very excited to share that our podcast, The Nerd Coliseum, is proudly sponsored by Dubby Energy. Dubby Energy is the maker of clean gamer energy drinks that help enhance focus, concentration, and reaction time with no jitters, crash, or bad ingredients. Something that I think is great is that Dubby doesn't contain any calories, sugar, fillers, or any artificial colors. Made by professionals, Dubby is produced in the USA in an FDA-registered and inspected facility that strictly adheres to GMP guidelines. And they offer unique flavors like Dragonade, Dub Sludge, and the Galaxy Grenade. 
Just mix one scoop of Dubby with six to eight ounces of cold water and shake. After drinking Dubby, even you will be ready to step into the Nerd Coliseum as a contender. You can even look your best doing that, too, because Dubby also has hoodies, beanies, hats, shaker bottles, and more. When Frank and I want a game all evening and be on the top of our game after a long day, we love having something clean and delicious to reach for to help us reach our maximum potential. Check out all Debbie's products on their website and order yours today. That website is www.debbie.gg. And to get 10% off any website order, tell them that the podcast, The Nerd Coliseum, sent you. Use the promo code TOURNAMENT. That's promo code TOURNAMENT. T-O-U-R-N-A-M-E-N-T. Every one of your purchases made with that promo code gets you 10% off your entire order and also helps support this podcast. All right, let's give them the tagline, Kristen. Dubby Energy. Be better. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we discussed it more. The Nerd Coliseum will award the point for strong female counterpart to Marion Ravenwood from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. That makes the final score 3-1 to one with Raiders of the Lost Ark winning Game 4. Thank you, Sarah and Carlton, so much for joining us today. This has been extremely exciting and extremely fun having you both here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. the very first time. I, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Two great movies, too. Yeah. Like, it was fun was, to rewatch them. Exactly. Yeah. That was like... I think after rewatching them, it made it even harder to decide which ones to yeah, go. To, which like, that's ones why to go I was with. saying I think it's recency bias. Even though literally I watched Batman last night, because in my head I was like, "Oh, that's gonna win!" Like in my mind, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we watched a Raiders today, and I was like, "Okay, no." <laughs> like it's just they're they're very different movies, but I don't know. It all comes they're down both to so the good. categories. They're very different. But they're both so good. All right. So real quick before you two go, is there any matchup that you two would like to hear go down in the Coliseum? Yes. And we had discussed this earlier. So we think Troll 2 versus The Room, Tommy Wiseau's The Room, would be an excellent pairing. An epic. An, an epic <laughs> matchup. Epic matchup. Like and- not instead of which one is better. Which, which one, one is the worst? Yes, which one sucks more? <laughs> which one is so terrible that it's amazing? <laughs> the, and you can have like a cringe meter. I mean, they're both. Ooh, yeah, cringe meter. Like, how much do, do you cringe watching <laughs> any, those, any given scene? What that scene where he's like, "You've seen Troll Two, right?" Yeah, you guys have seen. Well, you and I watched. No, it. Wait, we haven't. haven't. You yeah, haven't seen it. we should watch. Carlton that. and I, we watched it together. I think we watched it on like YouTube or something. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the we watched Troll that Two scene, and the Room that on scene YouTube. Where he's like, "What are you gonna do to me, Daddy?" And then he's, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You can't sound hospitality." <laughs> They're eating her. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. For those of you who have never seen either of these movies, Frankie, please insert sound clip here of both of those movies, and you'll know what we're talking about. They're eating her, and then they're going to eat me. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not.
Oh, hi, Mark. Exactly how bad You're they tearing can be. me apart, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen either of those movies, change that, like, as soon as possible, <laughs> because they're amazing. Anyways, Frankie, how's your sex life? So bad they're good. <laughs> 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 All right, well, unfortunately, this is going to be the end of the road for Batman. What? It's all... <laughs> those, those bat nipples, man. They just they get like, you every like time. They, they weren't they hard the enough. Entire franchise. Oh, you just mean 89 Batman. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, so just a heads up. In November, we will be moving into the semifinals where we will find out which two movies will be in the final game. Kristen, can you tell everybody what we're going to be doing until then after this episode? Yes. So we're going to take a short pause on our 1980s tournament with the upcoming Halloween season quickly approaching. We may or may not have our house already decorated with Halloween already. Starting late September and throughout the month of October, we are going to be doing some Halloween-themed special episodes, and Frankie and I are very excited about it. We're going to share some more details soon. As always, thank you for listening. Don't miss out on our future games and tournaments. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review, if available, through your podcast provider. The Nerd Coliseum is available wherever you podcast. You can listen to us through your web browser or find a link to your favorite podcast provider at www.anchor.fm slash the Nerd Coliseum. Please help spread the word about this podcast. Follow and share us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. If you enjoy the show, you can support it at anchor.fm slash the nerd coliseum slash support. We are striving to improve our show with every episode, and we would appreciate your help with reaching our goals. And if you, the audience, would like to see a certain matchup go down in the nerd coliseum, let us know. Anything from movies, TV, video games, or pop culture can battle it out. Talk to us by emailing the nerd coliseum at gmail.com. Colosseum is spelled as in the Roman Colosseum, C-O-L-O-S-S-E-U-M. I'm Sarah. I'm Carlton. I'm Kristen. And I'm Frankie. This is the Nerd Colosseum reminding you to avoid those big vats of boiling acid. Bye bye Action adventurer, archaeologist, archaeologist, <laughs> archaeologist. Join us as. Already starting. Take the full entropy. The full on rapist. Yeah. The full on rapist. <laughs> the full on rapist costume vigilante. <laughs> That's a movie I want to not see. Philanthropist, costumed vigilante versus action adventurer, archaeologist. You said it again. Archaeologist. I'm just gonna shh. Sh- action adventure. Stop. Arch. <laughs> 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 We're gonna be here a while. Yeah, we are. Philanthropist. Philanthropist. <laughs> okay. Hey, to be fair, that's like a lot of... <laughs> I wrote this script and I'm gonna f***ing suck it! Yeah, we're doing it live! Every f***ing god syllable! <laughs> Alright, everybody take a second. Mm. <sighs> Alright. 1980s tournament in the Coliseum where... <coughs> Sorry.
She threw up a little bit. <laughs> I burped. Not by us. Keep throwing up. I keep burping. I'm not throwing up. Imagine being so upset about casting that you physically write a letter to the film studio. That takes two. Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow, Brad Dourif, Ray Liotta, and James Wood. Uh, yeah. It's Wood, John Lithgow. Wood is, yeah, too. Lithgow. Sorry. Oh, okay. I should have said that. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, for Indy's trusted sidekick, Sala, Danny DeVito was approached. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just imagined Danny DeVito running around right? like that. The setting moved from the 1930s to the 1950s, pitting Jones against Russians to cut... Ru- oh. I just want to say, I feel like there was a lack, a missed opportunity in Crystal Skull for him to go, Russians, why is it always the Russians? <laughs> <laughs> like its competitor, Batman spawned... There's nothing that strikes fear in the underbelly of Gotham City more than those things. And so <laughs> That's a great line. You can cut some glass with those. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Woo! All right, yeah. Sharp. Is it cold in here? Tid nipply. It's a tid nipply. <laughs> this is a titillating episode. From the Academy Wait, how do you say it? Kane's Film Festival? Can. Cans. No, 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 sir. Just can. Can. Yes. Can film the, the S isn't um, pronounced. Yeah, they're French. And French people, man. They, all their they're incontinence. Are just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna really we anger Emmanuel Macron. We have with a small this, uh, Canadian podcast. audience. But of course, just can. From the Academy Awards in Los Angeles to the Cannes Festival. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me say that again. And a best foreign film at the César Awards in France. César? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty positive it's César. César, okay. César. All right. Oh, César Awards in France. <laughs> and one best foreign film. César. Okay. Sorry, say that line. You can take that whole line. All here. right. Uh, Sorry, in my head I was trying to think of a way to say this line to the beat of Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I was, because I was thinking, I was like, well, I'm on tonight, and the numbers don't lie. Hips don't lie, and the numbers don't lie. <laughs> and I'm starting to feel it's right. Looks like the Raiders will be taking the point for rewards. The don't lie. <laughs> I was trying. I was like, I feel like there's a joke here, but I'm not most, I'm not intelligent. I'm not musically intelligent enough to come up with it. So. I liked where your head was at. That was a good yeah. Song. It'll make the blooper real, at least. <laughs> I apologize to everyone who had to listen to that. Well, the numbers don't lie. Looks like Raiders will take the... <laughs> You're laughing. Sorry. I ruined your take. <laughs> well, we're on tonight, and the numbers don't nice. lie. Damn it! I was going for it, and I lost it. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. I'm going to do this. I have it in my head, and I'm going to do like- this. Well, we're on tonight, and the numbers don't nigh. I keep saying nigh. <laughs> it. Hang on, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this, guys. I've I've got it in my head. We have to do it. Well, we're on tonight, and the numbers don't not. Okay, why do I keep saying nigh? Because <laughs> it's in your head now. The yeah, numbers, numbers don't lie. Well, we're on tonight, and the numbers don't lie. It looks like Raiders gonna take the point. That's what I was going for. Oh yeah. 
I got this. <clears throat> well, we- let me write it because that'll help. Well, well, we're on tonight and the numbers don't lie. Looks like Raiders will take the point since, of course, it had more wins and nominations. Woo! Yeah, baby! Did it. You did it. <laughs> Frankie, can we give our audience a little tease about what our next episode's going to be? Not right now, but we have top men working on it. Who? Top men.